Hey, fellow Mathers, before we get into this episode, we want to share with you how you can get access to free content, professional learning that will keep your students engaged and doing the math that matters. Get ready to go to this link, mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. That's right. Registration is open for the free Math is Figure Outable challenge that's starting May 15th and runs to the 17th at 7 p.m. Central. We're going to have three nights jam-packed with learning and routines that you can take straight to your classroom. In these challenges, we have a great time. We do some math, talk about classroom experiences, give away super cool bonuses and prizes. You won't just walk away with routines that are naturally engaging and encourage your students to think mathematically. You'll also have a chance to win over 6 k worth in prizes, including a few virtual PD sessions for your school. I'll be joined by my wonderful co-host, Kim, and special guest, Jenna Labe. You can register at mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge for a fantastic learning experience. That's mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. Now on to the show. Hey, fellow mathematicians. Welcome to the podcast where math is figureoutable. I'm Pam. And I'm Kim. And we're here to suggest that mathematizing is not about mimicking or rote memorizing, but it's about thinking and reasoning, about creating and using mental mathematical relationships. That math class can be less like it has been for so many of us, and more like mathematicians working together. We answer the question, if you're not teaching algorithms, then what? Hey, Kim, I just got an email from Melissa one of the two teachers in the podcast, two teachers in Texas. And she said, I've been listening to your podcast and I'm so excited. I've been teaching for 25 years and your podcast makes me think, exclamation, 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 exclamation. It also makes me rethink so much of my teaching, unquote. Oh, that's great. Right? Super cool. So I'm honored that what we were talking about makes such an experienced teacher rethink her practice. Yeah. And thanks for having me on your podcast, Melissa. I had a blast talking to Melissa and Todd, the two teachers in Texas on the Two Teachers in Texas podcast. Uh, Y'all, it was the March 31st, uh, 2021 episode of that Two Teachers in Texas podcast. We invite you to go listen to it. We had some great conversations. That's so great. I knew you were going to be on a podcast recently, but I'm super happy to hear that um, she listens to ours too. That's great. I can't wait to listen. So Pam, this week, we're going to begin a series that we think everyone's going to love, right? Everyone. Yeah, we saw how well received the short podcast about fractions, decimals, and percents went. And we already expanded a little bit on my favorite, percents. (laughs) Um, And we want to take some time now to dive a little deeper into fractions for everyone. So today we're going to start with some important information that if we kind of have in our heads and our understanding of fractions, decimals, and percents, especially fractions, then it will help um, as we then start with students, as we do things that are sort of um, building up for students. So we're going to talk about the five interpretations of rational numbers. So what are rational numbers? Rational numbers are things like fractions, ratios, decimals, percents. In fact, a rational number can be expressed as the ratio of two integers. So for example, one half is the ratio of one to two. Four fifths is the ratio of four to five. And if I made one of those negative, then we could have the ratio of negative four to five and so on. So those are rational numbers. 
consider for a minute the simultaneity going on in a fraction, things happening simultaneously Mm -hmm. in a fraction. You have the numerator, a number. You have the denominator, a number, usually a different number. And then you're asked to consider the relationship between those numbers. That's a lot to consider simultaneously. And not only the relationship between those numbers, but then we can consider the relationship between those numbers as a number. (laughs) So there's just lots of things going on simultaneously. Susan Lamont in her book called Teaching Fractions and Ratios for Understanding helps us think about these five interpretations. In fact, that's where we got them from. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, Pam, I'm going to interrupt you. I remember the first time you ever talked about with me these five interpretations Mm -hmm. and it was super important. So I hope everybody's going to really listen to these five interpretations. Excellent. All right. So here they are. So not in any specific order. The five interpretations of rational numbers are part whole, measurement, operator, quotient, and ratio. Now, we didn't expect you to get all those down because we're actually going to dive into each of them right now. Yep. And so we thought we'd start today by discussing these five interpretations of rational numbers. Kim, let's start with the most common mm-hmm. interpretation in the U.S. That doesn't, by the way, mean it's the best one to start with. Yeah, It just happens to be the most common one. And that is the part whole way of looking at fractions. Yeah. yeah it's definitely the most common, right? Mm-hmm. And in the elementary school, it's likely the only way that fractions are taught. Yeah, no, right? not, good, so, not good. So we can picture a typical task in school, in elementary school, right? Young mm-hmm. elementary school where there's a pre-drawn object or set of objects and students are asked to shade in a fractional amount, right? So like a rectangle is already cut for them into five pieces and five and equal so, pieces, right? It's equal already pieces, cut right? into five. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Everything's done for them. And students are supposed to shade four fifths. Can you picture that? They might be asked to do the shading when they're told the fraction, they're told the fractional amount, mm-hmm. or, or they might be given an image with something pre-cut and shaded in and might be required to tell the fractional amount, not shade it. That's really the only two things that they're asked to do. So consider the development of mathematical reasoning, y'all. Remember, there's counting strategies come first, and then we build on that to get additive thinking, and then we build on that to get multiplicative thinking, and build on that to get proportional Mm -hmm. reasoning, and then functional reasoning. If a student is given that kind of task, so let's review the task. They've given a pre-drawn object that is pre-cut into equal sections, Mm -hmm. and they're asked to shade four-fifths. What kind of thinking would that student probably be doing? So I'm going to, I'm going to act it out here. I've got this pre-drawn thing. It's cut into equal five pieces and I'm supposed to shade four fifths. Y'all, I'm going to count the total. Yep. There's five. It says four fifths. I'm going to count four and shade those four and I'm done. Like that is the only thinking that's Uh happening. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe I've given them that pre-drawn figure with it cut into five equal pieces and three of those pieces already shaded. And now the instruction is what fraction is represented. Again, again, what kind of thinking is happening? They're going to count the total, write that down in the denominator, count the total that are shaded, write that down in the numerator, and they're done. Like, that's it. They are literally only using counting strategies in order to do those fraction sort of tasks at those young grades. What we haven't done is create some sense of what four-fifths yeah. means. We haven't had students like grapple with the idea of what four-fifths are, or even better, starting with one-fifth to help them think about four 
one-fifths or four-fifths. It's They're just using counting strategies. That's a problem. Right. Right. So we need to actually help students create a sense of what a fraction means, right? So in this case, we're talking about four-fifths. What does four-fifths actually mean? Yeah. So we do need the part whole interpretation, but we need to do so much more. So be richer and -hmm. not only the part whole interpretation. In fact, we don't think maybe that you're going to start with, don't start with the part whole. So we need to talk about how to develop this richer, deeper meaning. We're going to do that in an episode coming up. For now, let's talk about one of the other interpretations. And we're going to talk about the measurement interpretation. Yeah. So this is all about four-fifths. We're going to use four-fifths over and over again. This is all about four-fifths being thought of as four Mm one-fifths. So in other words, it's all based on my share. If I'm sharing with four other people, so there's five people total, there's five of us, then how much do I get if we're sharing fairly? I get one-fifth, right? That's my share. So then what does four-fifths represent? Well, that's four of them. That's four of those one-fifths. It's almost like I said, hey, guys, let's share this fairly, but uh, you guys, you don't want yours? Okay, I'll take them. Cool, I'll take four (laughs) of them. So then I get four of those one-fifths, right? Hey, Kim, it's almost like we're sharing a chocolate bar because you would always give me your piece, right? You, <laughs> you'd want me to give you your skills because <laughs> right. I'm the chocolate and Kim's the sweet and salty. Okay. Right. Hey, I like the way that you actually said that just now, right? You said four of the one fifths. Interestingly, that's how um, fractional amounts will be named in a lot of other countries, four one fifths. So here's a teacher tip for you guys. If you're only saying the words four fifths to describe that fractional amount, you can bring more meaning by also saying four one-fifths, four one-fifths. Try hard to alternate your use of those two ways because four-fifths really is four one-fifths. Absolutely. So now let's talk about your favorite interpretation of rational numbers, Kim, the operator meaning. Yeah. Why is that my favorite? I don't even know. I love the operator meaning. (laughs) Yeah. What's going on there? You know, I think it's because it's actionable. It's in our daily lives and you do something with the fraction, right? Yeah, that makes sense because you're a doer. All right. So give us an example of what we mean by the operator interpretation of rational numbers. Okay. I actually have a a recent story. So my younger student is um, currently learning about the operator meaning of fractions and the representation of a fraction times a whole number, right? Okay. He's being asked to think about some quantity like um, 24 and then find one third of 24. So he's literally thinking about one third of something is going to be a part of that thing, right? He knows that he needs to think about the 24 into three parts, which is pulling on his understanding of division. Nice. And what's even cooler about what he's doing right now is that it's a combination of the operator meaning and the measurement meaning. So he's being asked to think about like what's a fourth of 32. And he's thinking then about three-fourths of 32. So like if you know one-fourth of 32, that can help you with three one-fourths of 32. I love that. And that's the operator meaning, all about thinking about, and and, and the reason it's called operator meaning is because you're operating, it's an action thing. You're finding three-fourths of 32. You're like feeling like you're acting on 32 to find three-fourths of it. Yeah. Super cool. Okay, so the next one we're going to talk about is the quotient interpretation. Tell us a little bit about that one. 
Yeah, so this is the one that I'm going to admit that I wrote, memorized. Um, now, it's because I was, I was sort of told it, like teacher said, mm-hmm. this is the thing. And I could use it in a very limited way. But now that I own it, whoa, like it's so powerful in so many ways. This is all about the relationship between fractions and division or between ratios and division. Here's an example. So let's say that I'm sharing those four candy bars among five kids. Okay. So I've got four candy Mm -hmm. bars and I've got five kids. Each kid gets, so you might want to pause right here. Just think about it. If I have four candy bars and I'm sharing them among five kids, how much of a candy bar is each kid going to get? Maybe even pause the podcast right here and think about if four candy bars are being shared among five kids, five kids are sharing four candy bars. How much does each kid get? In other words, we're thinking about sort of less than one candy bar, right? If it's five kids sharing four candy bars, they don't get a total of one candy. How much do they get? Yeah, they get four-fifths of a candy bar. So those four candy bars shared among five kids is equivalent to four-fifths of a candy bar per kid. Four divided by five is four-fifths. And yeah. if you can see what I what I'm writing as I say that, then I would write four division symbol five is equivalent to an equal sign four fraction bar five. Or if I said that in an opposite way, four fifths is equivalent to four divided by five. Now the limited way that I used that was to find the decimal equivalent for fractions. So that's, that's the way that teacher sort of said, here's how you yeah. do it. If I was given four fifths and the teacher said, you like, find the, find the fraction or find the decimal equivalent of four fifths. Then I would say, Oh, Oh, I know how to do that one. Uh, yeah. I remember, I remember, uh, let's see, that was the rule where, yeah, yeah. We do division. Right. And then I would oh, have yeah. done long division. I wouldn't have Ouch. thought about I'd have, Kim's like, what? <laughs> yes. Kim, even for oh. something like four, I mean, it yeah. didn't matter the fraction except maybe a half one half and, and fourths. Other than that, like halves and fourths, I think I could think I could have thought about in decimals. But other than that, literally all of them, I did long division in order to get their decimal equivalent. Yeah. But Kim, that's not how you would have reasoned about finding the decimal equivalent to four fifths. Tell us no, about that. No. You know, so I'm such a percents person. Um, I think about percents more than decimals, really. And I know that um, four fifths is 80%. So then I could go 80% is 0.8 or 8 tenths. I mean, and, and honestly, I kind of own that one, right? It's fifths, so yeah. that one's not. It's funny though, but you're like, it's fifths, you know. You just sort yeah. of say it like everyone knows fifths. I mean, not everybody knows fifths yet, but we all can. We all right. can think about fifths, and we can reason about them enough that then they sort of become ingrained, kind of like Kim, just went straight to eighty percent. Um, cool. So, how about a number like like you just you just admitted, right? You own fifths. So, what if I give you one that maybe you don't own as much? How about something like three eighths? Three eighths. How would you think about the decimal equivalent to three eighths? Oh, so I actually own that one too. That's thirty seven point five percent. But if I didn't own that one, I could use the fact that an eighth is twelve and a half percent, and then I could scale up times three. So I know one eighth, and that will help me with three eighths. Okay, so you know one eighth, but what if you yeah. don't know one eighth? Well, I, so one eighth, man. So I would think about a fourth is 25%. So an eighth would be 12 and a half percent. Because like I think a lot of us know a fourth. Yeah? Okay. All right. So if a lot of us know a fourth is 25%, how did you get from a fourth to an eighth? So two eighths make a fourth. Okay. So then two 12 and a half percents make 25%. 
Cool. So kind of thinking about the relationship between a fourth and an eighth. Yeah. If you know that an eighth is half of a fourth and a fourth is 25%, you do half of 25% to get 12 and a half. Cool. So maybe you've done that enough that you just sort of own what one eighth is. And then you can scale that 12 and a half times three to get 37 and a half. That's Mm -hmm. how you were finding the equivalent for three eighths. Yeah. You know what I tend to do a little bit? I don't, I don't really scale 12 and a half times three. I think about a fourth being 25%. I know an eighth is 12 and a half. So I think about that 25 plus 12 and a half. That's oh, how nice. I get to yeah. 37. Yeah. Ah, nice. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So how about a fraction like three twenty-fifths? go? Oh, so this is also kind of operator and measurement meaning together, right? So I would think about one twenty-fifth is 4%. So then how do you, wait, wait, how do you know that? How do you know one twenty-fifth is 4%? <sighs> um, because I'm thinking about <laughs> 25 times four is a hundred. Okay. So 125th is 4%. And then 325th, I would scale up times three. So that's 12% or 0.12. So you use the relationship between four and 25 being 100 to think about 125th is like 4%. Mm -hmm. And then if 125th is 4%, then three of those 25ths is three times 4% or 12%. And then you got 0.2, Yeah, probably Uh Or twelve hundredths for those of you who are purists out there that we can use. It. <laughs> Sorry, so, <laughs> no, it's okay point, because point if, you, if you if you remember our percent conversation, we said specifically that we think that um, we want kids to be able to say point one two and twelve hundredths. Right, I think that that's important, but they should also be able to say, by the way, twelve. Let's see, twelve hundredths and one point two tenths. Anyway, we'll go on. Okay. Let's see. I think I think we're ready to talk about the last. Are we ready for the last one? Yeah. Okay. So last one is going to be the ratio interpretation. All right. So the ratio interpretation actually has come into our conversation already today a little bit when we were talking about four candy bars shared among five kids. That's a ratio of four candy bars to five kids. So that's kind of all we're going to talk about with ratio today. We're going to get into all of these a little bit more later. We've talked a little bit about each of the five interpretations and What we want to emphasize today is that what's so interesting and important is how we actually shift back and forth between Mm -hmm. all of these Mm -hmm. interpretations as we solve problems with rational numbers. So Kim, let's dial in on that a little bit. Let's talk about the fact we've already kind of mentioned in some of what we did that we've, that we were using one or two or or, or more of the interpretations, but let's actually get really specific about how we're solving problems and kind of shifting in and out of all of these interpretations with rational numbers mm-hmm. as we're solving those problems. All right, you ready? <laughs> so <Sure. laughs> I'm going to ask you a question. And okay. um, as you solve it, I might have to help you pull out your reasoning. Like, right, you guys, after you've done something so often, it can be hard to kind of um, like think about your thinking, right? So Kim and I are going to work together on this. She's going to solve a problem. And then we're going to pull out the different thinking involved. Okay, so here okay. we go. Eight kids are sharing seven large candy bars. Eight kids sharing seven candy bars. How much of a candy bar does each kid get? Now, okay, uh, listeners, before Kim just go, 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 goes, you might want to pause here and you think about seven candy bars for eight kids. How much of a candy bar does each kid get? You might pause here, but ready, Kim, go. Okay, so if there are seven bars for eight kids, I know they're not going to get a whole bar each. That's like my first That's my great first thought. Yeah, great beginning thinking. Uh-huh. So I know it's going to be a fraction of a bar for each kid. So a thing I could do 
is take each of those bars and slice them into eight pieces. And I have a whole bunch of eighth pieces and each kid after like, I dealt like them out. Like one eighth pieces. I'm going to interrupt eighth, you there. Yep, you one said eighth, 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 oh, one eighth pieces. One uh-huh. eighth pieces. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So I could cut each candy bar into eight pieces, eight pieces, which would then be called one eighth. And they, and I could deal them out. So each kid gets seven one eighth pieces. So they'd get seven eighths of a bar. Wait, where did the seven come from? Because there were seven bars. Oh, right. So they get an eighth from each of from the each seven of the bars. bars. Mm-hmm. So they get seven one-eighth pieces and yeah. seven one-eighth pieces. Okay, good. All right. I got it. I got yeah. it. Okay. Or honestly, that that might be something that I could see myself doing, you know, with one of my kids, but, or I might just consider Oh, before you go on, before you do another kind of way to think about it. Yeah. Let's pause on that first way that you just said, and let's see if we can parse out all of the different interpretations. Oh, okay. All right. So we started with seven candy bars shared among eight kids, that's mm-hmm. ratio. Like we started with ratio. So the kids have to consider this ratio of seven candy bars to eight kids. And then you said, I'm going to cut each of each candy bar into eight pieces, right? Mm-hmm. And so you're sort of creating those unit fractions. We call those unit fractions, those one eighth pieces, kind of what, what's each kid share. If I just am sharing my eight kids, one eighth kind of uh, created those. And that's kind of uh, has to do with that measurement meaning that we're thinking about one eighths a little bit. Well, at the end, when you decided that you had seven one eighth pieces, if we kept going and said, so those seven one eighth, there's again, the measurement meaning turns into seven eighths, then that's kind of thinking about uh, sort of completing the measurement meaning that I can think about seven one eighths as seven Eights? Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. All right. I think maybe we're ready for you to keep going. Yeah. So, so maybe what I no, would actually... no, sorry. Oh, no, you got more. <laughs> All right. Because we had seven. So we had the ratio of seven candy bars to eight kids. That's like taking seven divided by eight and getting seven eighths of a candy bar per kid. That's the quotient meaning. Bam. Okay. Which All is right. which is actually probably where I'd go straight to, and that's what I was about to say. If I'm considering that it's seven bars divided by eight kids, they each get seven eighths of a bar. And and one of the mm. things I didn't necessarily mention is that when I'm, if, if I'm in real life, right, I might think about it as seven eighths and I'm probably realistically, if I'm going to cut those bars, I'm going seven eighths for the first kid, seven eighths for the second kid. And then the, po- and continuing on seven, well, eighths let's picture that a little bit. Cause I know what you mean when you say that instead of taking seven, one eighths and sticking them together, you guys picture that an eighth from each candy bar. And then you're mm-hmm. like handing Handing seven pieces to a little tiny one eighths to a kid. Instead, you're thinking to yourself, if I already know that a kid's going to get seven one eighths or seven eighths, you're taking the whole candy bar Mm -hmm. and you're like only hacking off one eighth and giving the rest, the seven eighths, the seven out of those eight pieces. Ooh, there's the part whole interpretation to a kid, right? You give them the whole contiguous piece of candy bar. So instead of giving them all these little tiny pieces, you're like, since I know it's seven eighths. I'm going to give them that whole chunk together, except Kim, if you do it that way, you've got that little one eighth left over seven times. So yeah. one kid's getting the shaft, right? <laughs> one kid gets all those little tiny pieces. Yep. I mean, yep. if you're going to do it that way. So at least everybody else got the whole, you know, like kind of pieces together instead of kind of apart. Yep. Okay. So I think, I think, oh, so the only meaning that we didn't maybe talk about was operator, but you were kind of using operator, as you said, it was seven eighths 
of a candy oh, bar. Candy bar. Yeah. Like when you decided that they were going to get seven eighths and you had to like look at the whole candy bar and say, well, where is seven eighths of this candy bar? And you cut off that little one eighth to give to the yeah. poor kid that gets all the little one eighths. <laughs> but you, but in order to do that, you had to have been thinking about the operator meaning of fractions. Y'all, the, the, the big point here is that it's the shifting back and forth that it's using all of these interpretations. It's kind of like the optical illusion with the, you know, if you look at it and you're like, do I see the old woman? Do I see the young woman? And it kind of depends on like how, what you're focusing on. It's not that they aren't both there. All of these interpretations could be there in a problem. It's just that you kind of, focus on one or the other, which is so fascinating. It is, right? It's so fascinating. We know that there's these five interpretations and that's why it's so important that we don't just focus on part-whole relationship, even in the very early grades. Yeah. And speaking of early grades, you are not going to want to miss next week's episode where we address ways to start building fractions with our youngest learners. So tell all of your colleagues who teach pre-K two or really any like any younger grade, but pre-K two students for sure, to check out next week's episode. Yep. Hey, and also remember, check out the March 31st, 2021 episode of the Two Teachers in Texas podcast, where high school teacher Todd and oh, high school history teacher Todd and fourth grade teacher Melissa and I do some great fraction work. Super, oh, super cool. All right, remember to join us on hashtag MathStrapChat on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram on Wednesday evenings where we explore problems with the world. Hey, if you find this podcast helpful, we would love it if you would rate us and give us a review. That way more people can find it wherever they get podcasts. And if you really wouldn't mind, we'd love it if you leave your Twitter handle and we can tag you. Totally, Don't yeah. forget that we're collecting your questions that you want answered. You can send those to Kim at mathisfigureoutable.com and we will tackle them in the upcoming episode. Which will be so fun to get those yep. questions in because we are going to tackle your most asked questions in that upcoming episode. So if you're interested to learn more math and you want to help yourself and students develop as mathematicians, then don't miss the Math is Figure Outable podcast because math is figure outable. Thank you for listening and making math more figureoutable. To learn even more, make sure you register for our free challenge at mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. You are not going to want to miss the evenings of May 15th through 17th, starting at 7 p.m. Central. Math teaching, math teaching, go register now. That's mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. Join us to make math more and more figureoutable. And if you can't join live, register and we'll send you access to the recordings. We'll see you there.